Man, it's been good having you this weekend. Uh, what about Frontline? Would you just show your appreciation of Frontline and their time with us this weekend? Lysha, you're the only one left, so... All right. Well, hey, um, we know we've talked the last couple of days about a few things just as a matter of sm- short rewind. Last night, we talked about the fact that we needed a deeper understanding, a deeper comprehension of what Jesus has done for us, of who we were before Jesus and who we are in Jesus. That's where Ephesians starts out. It reminds us of who we are when we're in Christ. This morning, we talked about the fact that we need to walk like Jesus if we say that we're walking with Jesus, that people ought to see us start to look more and more like him as we walk around in our day-to-day relationships. And one of the ways that Paul closes this letter, it's, it's a little bit unique, is he closes it talking about conflict. Like, he opens our eyes to the fact that, okay, but when you're walking around, I want you to recognize, like, this is not going to be easy. This is actually going to be a battle. And, and I know, I know, I know, I know that, that sometimes, like, life just seems to be mundane. Like, this isn't a battle. Like, it's just boring. Do you love stories of, like, epic battles? I don't know if you have, like, a favorite story. Um, my wife, my, my, not my wife, my, my daughter right now, 11-year-old daughter, um, hers probably right now is Harry Potter. She's read some of those. She's like, Dad, Tom Riddle is Voldemort. And I'm like, I don't know who either one of those dudes are, right? And, and she's like, this is incredible, right? And so she's, like, reading this. It's like, oh, epic battle. My, like, Lord of the Rings kind of thing. Um, every day when I come home since spring break, uh, we had the opportunity, we have a friend who works for Disney, he gets us into Disney for free, it's awesome. Uh, I was his, actually, I was his youth minister, he was in 8th grade, he was a punk 8th grader, almost kicked him out of church camp, only kid I almost ever kicked out of church camp. He now works for Disney, gets me into Disney for free, I'm like, hey, this is great. Some of you grow up, work for Disney, and get your youth minister in free for Disney. So, spring break, we're down in Disney, and um, our friends down there bought this for my son. You got to put this together at Disney World. Like, I guess it all is like assembles. So every day now, I come home. I'm not even joking. Like, almost every day I come home from work and he hands me this. Right? Because this is like, even though he got it, this is my sword. And he goes and gets his sword. Dad, will you play with me? And I have some pretty great, like, Jedi skills, not even going to lie, right? And so, um, like, automatically it's like down and, I mean, I... I could play this up. I'm not gonna. But we go at it. Like, we're jumping off of couches. Man, I'll wait. Like, I'll hit him pretty hard in the kneecap. And he'll be like, Dad, that hurt. It's so fun for him, though. Because he doesn't want to get hurt, right? He's like, man, I got it. He's like all defensive and stuff. And we'll have a great time with this. And he'll enter into that world of, like, conflict. And he'll love that. I introduced them to the Star Wars movies last year. That was a mistake. Um, although, we didn't show them, like, is it, what episodes is it, like, four? No, it's one, two, and three. Episodes one, two, the, whatever the, you know, Jar Jar Binks, all that. Like... It's not real. Um, so we, we haven't shown them those, um, but we've shown them the other movies. And, and my daughter, like, she didn't like the whole Kylo Ren storyline in the last one. Not spoiler alert here. Um, so she just, like, wrote her own ending. Like, her wrote her own ending and a novel for the sequel. Like, she's 11. She's like, that's not how it's supposed to end. And I'm going to write the right ending, right? And so she, she wrote her own ending. Well, my kids right now are just very enthralled with this. We love stories of conflict, and sometimes we want to enter into these stories, and maybe for you it's a narrative, it's a novel, it's a book, you love reading, and some of you it's a video game, and others of you, you know, your life right now, um, like coming here was a nice escape for you, because your life is really this lived out conflict, and, and it's not the conflict that you, you want, it's the, the hope of resolution, that there's some hope that this storyline is going somewhere. The reality is, though, is that many of you in the room 
as you look at your life, you just kind of see it as just mundane. And there's something about when we like play the video game, when we're reading the novel, when we're watching the movie, when we're playing swords with our kid, right? Uh, there, there's something about it that causes like our imaginations to thrive, that causes our pulse to quicken, that causes like our, our, our feet to stand firm as, as we wait for Frodo to take the ring. Sorry, spoiler alert, if you haven't not watched that. What have you, where have you been, right? And, and so there's, there's something about these conflicts, these epic conflicts that cause us to go, yeah, 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 yeah. What would I do if I was in that story? Well, here's what Paul's been doing in the story of Ephesians. It's been subtle. I mean, really gone through five chapters already, and it's just kind of been subtle in the background. Here's what Paul's been saying. There is something bigger going on. I mean, he's hinted at it. He said things like chapter 5, verse 15. He said, look carefully how you walk. We talked about this this morning. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of your time because the days are evil. There's, there's like something going on here. Uh, chapter four, a little bit earlier, he said, therefore put away falsehood. Let each one of you speak to truth, uh, speak to his neighbor with truth for we are members of one another. Be angry. Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. There's something going on in the background here. And can I admit to you that as we follow Paul throughout this letter, one of the things we recognize is that as we are also walking toward Jesus and away from death, there is, there is a conflict going on all around us that sometimes, that sometimes we'd rather pretend wasn't there. And so when he comes to the, the, the kind of the ultimate moment in this letter, the end of the letter, the end of the story, he brings this to kind of this, this grand moment where he has this picture. And, and there's this danger. There's honestly the struggle, maybe more a struggle than a danger, that I have of even coming to this text, and here's why. Can I... Can I share this with you? Some of you who've grown up in church have heard this text. And I'm not saying you've heard it the wrong way. It's just been fairly sterile for you. I mean, it's kind of been cartoonized. Safe. But that's not what Paul's doing here. It's not just like some quaint little metaphor. Paul is actually saying, no, 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 you are at war. There is a battle going on all around you every day. And will you engage in the fight and be awake? Or will you lose ground because you are asleep? And I know some of you are going, oh, great. He just said asleep. And here we are, the third session. I'm already sleeping. Can I admit to you that sometimes as a believer in Jesus, I fail to recognize the conflict that is going on all around. But if following Jesus is a matter of life and death, and if there truly is an enemy, as we see in the book of Ephesians, that would rather people find death than find life, then what are we doing? I remember watching a movie. I like disaster movies. These are kind of my favorite conflict movies. It's not like us versus another person. It's like us versus nature, right? The day after tomorrow is a movie like epic storm comes through. It's going to freeze everyone. And a dad calls his son. His son's in a library and says, hey, there's a storm coming. Don't go outside. It's going to freeze everyone. Everyone's going to turn into a popsicle. Don't outside. Don't go outside. And they're in the library and there's a police officer. There's other people there who look like official. And they're like, hey, let's go outside. And the son's like, don't go outside. My dad said, and everyone's like, yeah, we're like, we're going to believe you, kid, right? And, and so everyone, there's a scene in that movie. If you've not seen the movie, watch for this scene in the movie. 
Because there's a scene in the movie where everyone, crowds of people, walk past this young person, a young person like you, where he's like, don't go outside, you're going to die outside. You'll perish. My dad said you will not find life if you walk in that direction. And people just keep walking on by. And only a few people listen. And only a few people survive. But a few people survive because of this voice of a person who said, that is the way to death and not the way to life. My dad said, this is the way to life. I remember sitting in the theater, I think I was y'all's age, and going, that's, that's what God's called me to do. And it's not always popular. And it's not always easy. And when you put yourself out there like that, and start saying some things like that, you really expose yourself. And you're going to need to be ready for it. Paul talks about this battle and he goes through this entire letter, but the culminating text is here in chapter 6, verse 10. I want to read these verses for you, and then we'll come back and just notice some things about them. Again, many of you might be familiar with this. Look at it again. Take off the, the flannel board, the cartoon, the veggie tail lens, and recognize this is a scene of war. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Scholars have noticed that as he talks about this armor, it is put on in the same order that a soldier would strap on this armor. And we could walk through the individual pieces of the armor. And here's what I want you to notice more than, than maybe looking at the individual pieces, is Paul's already dealt with all of these. Like he's talked about truth and the importance of walking in truth and following the truth. And he's talked about the salvation that Jesus gets, gives us and the fact that we're saved by grace and that it is by God's grace that we have salvation. He's talked about all of these things. But now it comes together in this ultimate metaphor. The question that hangs here in the balance is this. Will you stand? He says it over and over again, doesn't he? Like, will you stand? So I want to take a look at this picture of this warrior. That's really unconventional. I mean, the war isn't with people. And I want to ask some questions maybe behind the scenes of, about this. And, and so I want to notice three things, just three quick things uh, this afternoon, and then we'll move on with our day. The question will be, so will we then have our eyes open to what really happens around us as we enter into our families? Will we recognize that like, there's actually a spiritual war going on for our families as well? Or when we go to school, or when we go to work. So here's the three things. Here's number one. Stand against an enemy that does not fight fair. Stand against an enemy that does not fight fair. Notice how the devil is described in this text. Uh, The first word is this word scheming, plotting, planning. Scholars have noticed how these terms that describe our enemy are really in the Roman mindset, in the Roman world. They're used to describe the, the, the enemy that does not fight fair. They don't stand in conventional warfare with a sword. The sword here is not a long sword, it's a short sword. They don't stand in, in line with other soldiers. No, instead they're shooting arrows. 
There's trickery involved here. And our enemy is like that, scheming. Now, I kind of teased this out over the last few weeks, studying for the sermon, asking the question, okay, so as you look at the rest of this letter to the Ephesians, can you find other places where Paul hints at the schemes that the enemy has. Like, if you're going to be in a fight, it might be a good idea to, like, know how your enemy fights, right? Like, my son has figured out that, like, when I have this lightsaber, like, if I fake swing here and come around on this side, I'll hit pop him in the kneecap. And so he's learned, like, pop, pop. It's important to know how your enemy's going to fight. Here's some things we find in the book of Ephesians. Number one, the enemy attacks our minds and what we believe. The enemy is willing to attack our mindset and the truth is the truths that we believe here's a couple examples ephesians 4 14 sometimes we're like a child carried around by every wind of teaching and doctrine by this human human cunning the craftiness of here's this word deceitful and our word schemes like sometimes we just buy into false lies and the enemy attacks like what do you believe about god do you believe he cares about you do you believe he exists Do you believe he exists and he's engaged in your world? Maybe you're like, yeah, I believe he exists, but I don't know that he really cares. Do you believe that that his truth is the truth? Do you believe that he's the only God? Uh, Do you believe... Do you believe that God knows what's best for you and that you follow him and is the way to life? Like, the enemy will attack that. We've already observed that. What about what you believe about yourself? Do you believe you're loved no matter what you do? That no matter where you've been, what you've struggled with, what your storyline is, what your battle has been, what scars you have. I'm mean, going to talk to some of you already just kind of walking around campus here. Some of you, you're in the thick of it. Some of you walk around and you're wounded. You're hurting and maybe no one else in your groups know, know how wounded you are. And the first time you voice some of those wounds is by putting a note in the box over here. And yet you've not shared that with anyone else. You feel like you stand alone. And some of us have have, have bought into some lies that Satan speaks about who we are. Not adequate enough, not good enough. And God created you. I remember sitting across the table from a a high school young lady. I was was a student minister. And I, I, I just said these words. It was really not much. I said, God created you. And tears fell down her face. Do not let the enemy lie to you. He will attack your minds and your beliefs and what you believe. And when your world is falling apart, you need to run to Jesus and hear the truth of what he says about you. You are not beyond the love of Jesus. He will attack what you believe about others as well. He'll attack what you believe about people who look different than you, who live different than you, who live in other cultures than you, who speak other languages than you, who have different interests than you, He'll attack what you believe about Jesus. That's how our enemy works. He's sinister like that. He schemes like that. Not only does he attack our hearts, we, our, our minds in Ephesians, we also see he attacks our hearts. An example of this we see in Ephesians, Ephesians 4.22, this word, this phrase, deceitful desires. That word desire is to will upon, to desire something. And anytime we have a will upon something other than God... It is one of those desires that takes us off in a different direction. And ultimately, that's why God's command say, okay, put me first 
And then all of these other things are going to figure themselves out. When you desire God, you desire the things of God. And there's de- these deceitful desires. And some of you, this is where he's attacked. I mean, he doesn't even have to show his face. All he has to do is speak in some deceitful desires. And, and your heart goes, yeah, I'll take that. And he has you right where he wants you. Because you're walking further and further away from Jesus and further and further away from life and further and further away from the truth. Third thing is he attacks our relationships. Last night in your dorm devos, one of the things that several of your speakers talked about is the fact that we're supposed to have deeper community. That's one of the things Ephesians teaches is that we're members of each other. We need each other. That comes up in this text as well. We'll see that at the very end tonight. But we're members of each other. He says, be, don't be angry with each other to the point to where you're, you're, you're sinning. And don't let that sin or that, that sun go down on your anger. And then he says this, don't give the opportunity to the devil. We've mentioned this already. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He goes on to talk about this fact that sometimes we treat each other with bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander. He's like, put all these things away to, from each other. Put, put instead kindness on and tenderheartedness and forgiveness and, and be like Christ and forgive. But I know this is true, that, that sometimes the, the scheme of the enemy is to attack your relationships. And sometimes that's your, that's your group that you came with. If he can attack your church, if he can attack your group, and you, guys, you all can't stand as one, you're more vulnerable. Because if you don't have anyone to stand with, you're less likely to stand. So we have to understand our enemy and recognize the fact that our enemy does not fight fair. And and Paul in this text says, you need to stand. You need to stand. You need to stand. You need to stand. Here's the second one. Stand in a conflict that is not against flesh and blood. He says it in this, verse 10. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Can I, can I be honest with you? Sometimes it's a little bit of a mystery to me to how that all works. Is that a little bit of a mystery to you? Like, when is this just me struggling with my own fleshly desires? And when, when is this? When is this some spiritual force? And as you study these things in the Bible, you kind of start to begin to realize it's kind of a both and. And, and you have to recognize that sometimes the best enemy's tactic, the best enemy tactic is to be covert and to not show his face. And Satan's not omnipresent. And sometimes we'll do the, well, the enemy made me do it. Well, no, sometimes it was just you deciding not to follow after Jesus. But do not be unaware of the fact that we have a battle, but it's not against the person across the room. It's not against the person who doesn't believe in God. It's not against the atheist on social media. That those who do not believe in Jesus are still victims of the enemy. They are still in need of the life that Jesus has to offer. That those who live even as political enemies in this world, they are not your enemy if you are a believer in Christ. They are a child of God. And they need the love of Jesus in their life. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, and therefore we also do not wage war as the rest of the world does. Our weapons don't look the same. Our armor does not look the same. So we see this as number three as well. We stand with a power that is not our own. I mean, that's not how most of us try to go through life. You've kind of been taught your entire life. You can be strong enough. You're smart enough. You can do it, right? I mean, this is kind of even like what we try to teach like little kids. Man, you got this. You can do this. What if like you at some point realize like, I don't got this. 
I can't do this on my own. See, the scripture teaches that like, we actually don't have power to do it on our own. That's not what the culture around us wants to say. The, the, the Bible wants to say that actually weakness is something that we need to acknowledge and to readily put ourselves into the strength of God. Notice this armor. Finally, be strong in the armor, or be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of, what's the phrase? Put on the full armor of God. Notice this is his armor. Like, if you study ancient culture and ancient warriors, one of the things you recognize is that when they put on armor, um, oftentimes they would have, like, the name of their god on that armor. And the idea was this, is that as they put on the armor, especially, like, the Roman, the Greco-Roman world, as they put on this armor, they kind of, like, became them. They reenacted them. They, like, had the power of them. But Paul flips this and puts it in God's image and says, okay, when we put on, this is really, all Paul is saying here is, put on Jesus. Put on Jesus. Put on Jesus. Keep walking like Jesus. Keep putting on Jesus. Keep coming and putting yourself at the mercy of His power. Because you can't do it on your own. Notice how many times it says stand. Kind of an interesting metaphor. In the Roman world, the idea of standing was that you would prevent someone from taking territory. Like the enemy would come and attack and their goal was to get through your battle line to get to whatever was behind you, a city or whatever the, the target would be. And to stand, the Roman, the Roman soldier was known for the fact that they would stand their ground to the death. Here's the funny thing. Death has been taken off the table. Like resurrection kind of went, that doesn't happen now. So you can't lose if you stand. So this idea of stand is the idea of not letting the enemy take ground. But the, the reality is, is that Roman soldiers never stood alone like this. In fact, the shield that's described, this word comes from the word door. This isn't like a little shield like the size of this table. You know, we, like we see a shield and you hold up a shield, right? The shield is the size of a door. And maybe you've seen pictures of the Roman army as they stood side by side and they built a wall with these shields. This metaphor is not you stand alone. It is you stand together. You as a youth group, you as a church, you as a people, you as the Ephesians, you stand together in God's power and you are shielded by his faith and you put on righteousness. Now you start to look at these individual things and you go, wow, these are counters to the enemy's attack. Put on this truth that's buckled around your waist. And you go, wow, this is this counter to the idea of Satan's attack of false schemes. Put on this breastplate of righteousness, the counter to the attack of false desires. Put on these feet that are, are ready to go for peace. Wow, this, this counter to the fact that, that the enemy wants to attack our relationships. But this idea that we stand together, that you stand together, that you are not alone in this. And I can't, I can't do this for you. Your student minister can't go where you go all of the time. They can't be in school with you all of the time. They can't be at all of the activities with you. Your parents can't go to college with you. But you need to find some people to stand with who will help you walk more like Jesus rather than less like Jesus. One of the things I love about this community here on this campus, and, and I came from Colorado here fairly messed up, is I came here and I found people, and a few of you are in the room. And, and there's moments in life where you feel like losing ground and you feel like your knees are weak. And someone can come to your side and say, let's stand back up. Let's put on Jesus and let's stand for him. And I love that, that I have that in my life. And I want you to be that for each other. So here's how I want to close. The band's going to kind of play over this. 
And I want you to stand in a group. And I just want, if you're with a student minister or a sponsor, I just want one of your sponsors or your student minister to just pray a prayer over you. That's what this text closes like. Pray. Pray for me. And I just want one person. And if you're not with a group, find a group. I just want one person to pray over that group and say, we're going to stand together. We're going to go and we're going to stand. The band will play over that. When some of you are wrapping up, uh, we'll start singing a couple more songs. Let's stand. Let's pray. And then they'll play.